What up, everybody? It's Favi from Teutonic Takes. I'm here with your usual co-host, Ivan, and we have a very special guest today. Um, today, we have Reno standout, San Jose Earthquakes player, Kevin Partida. What's up, man? How you doing? How's it going? Glad to be here. Yeah, I mean, thanks. We're, we're really appreciative of you coming on and kind of letting us interview you. Um, we appreciate this. This year has been a little tough with everything, so thank you for your time. Yeah, no worries, man. Yeah, so um, you recently, I guess, let's let's talk a little bit right into it. You recently got a penalty for Reno, and you converted it. I mean, do you usually take penalties, or was it kind of like, hey, man, you got this for us, you're going to take it? Yeah, I think uh, in college and stuff, I was, I was pretty consistent being the penalty taker. Obviously, uh, at the professional level, it's different. But, yeah, I'm usually the number two for, for our pens, and at that time, Corey Herzog had had been subbed off so I knew it was it was I was going to be the one taking it and yeah I mean luckily it ended up being a pretty important uh goal for us in in terms of being able to get out of there with a point that day that's awesome man uh I just want to start off with that because I thought that was a pretty cool thing I mean you get your pen you you take it so that's what's up Ivan's gonna go over a little bit of your highlights and then a little bit of your stats and then he'll ask some questions too cool all right, so in this current season, which has been a weird season for every league in the world, you have 13 appearances for Reno with one goal in assists. Yeah, I believe that goal was the aforementioned penalty. And then 2019, you had 13 appearances and one assist for Reno, as well as an appearance for San Jose. 2018, you had 10 appearances, one goal and one assist for Reno. I believe these are all league stats. Uh, not sure about U.S. Open Cup or anything. And then four appearances for San Jose. And then prior to that, you uh, spent uh, the 2013 through 2017 seasons with the UNLV Rebels. You had six goals and 80 appearances. You are 25 years old, 1995 club, right? Yeah, yeah we're all from 95, so. Quarter century. <laughs> yeah. You can play as a right back. Right back, is it, or left back? Yeah, well, right back that when you're at the Quakes and coming out of mm-hmm. college, some people try to change me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or central midfielder. And you were selected number 58 overall in the 2018 Super Draft. So you're living your dream. You're play- you've played in MLS. You're playing in USL. You're getting more and more appearances. And as the USL continues to improve, it continues to be a great place to play, I think. Yeah, definitely, I think. Uh, like you said, obviously this year has been, been different for everybody. I think, uh, on a personal level, I, it was a little bit even more difficult just because, uh, a year long ACL rehab cut Mm -hmm. into, cut into the second half of my rookie year and the first half of, of my second season. And then, Mm. so expecting to play a, a full year finally and, and, really really being motivated to you know put together 34 appearances and and performing as best as possible uh, right then it, it turned into you know 15 or whatever games it is again but I mean we're in a good spot right now for sure and 
I think in my head right now, I'm just thinking, you know, playoffs is going to be, is going to be a big, big factor for us. And, and on a personal level, for sure as well. Um, you know, I think it'll be a good stage. Awesome. That, yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. I mean, getting on the field 34 times in the middle of a season like this is a great goal to have. I mean, going through it with no injuries is also a great goal to have, but you're excelling. You're doing great. Um, at Reno, you guys are doing an awesome job um, con- contending for um, the first place supporter shield kind of trophy that you guys have if they do do it and getting into the playoffs with home field advantage. Um, I know before uh, we were on air, you told me a little bit that you guys might have fans out there. Are you, are you really excited for that? Yeah, definitely. I think, especially right at this point, like I mentioned, uh, you know, to not have played with fans uh, at all this year and then to find out that it's a possibility for, for our playoff games and in the position that we're in with, with being top of the league right now and possibly being able to host all the way through the, through the USL final if we're, if we're able to play well enough to reach it. I think it's, there's definitely, I mean, an, a little added motivation there. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting uh, situation there where you are split up into eight different groups. So right now in the short term, you're focusing on the three or four opponents that you have in your group. Some groups have four teams, some groups have five teams. But because there's seeding at stake for the playoffs, you also have to keep an eye out on all these teams that you're not getting the opportunities to play against that you normally right. would throughout a USL season. So that is definitely tricky. And just to update some of our listeners who maybe don't follow USL as intently as we do, Reno currently has 32 points, which puts them at the top of their group, which consists of the Northern and Northwestern clubs in the USL Championship League. They're followed by Sacramento Republic, 27 points. And those two have a very comfortable lead over Tacoma Defiance, formerly Sounders 2 with 11 points, and Portland Timbers 2 with 9 points. So it definitely is a seemed like a race between you and Sacramento Republic throughout mo- most of the season. Yeah, I think for sure. I think we got a little – Sacramento had a little – had a couple more hiccups than us. So I think that kind of shows in in terms of the standings at this point. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to be honest, in terms of uh, – playoffs just just qualifying for playoffs I think well we've already clinched and and we feel we felt comfortable along the way but it was it was a big point for us to you know not get comfortable in the sense that that we were doing well in our division and then at uh, at a certain point um, I guess we took it game by game but then later realized you know that we were in like I mentioned before we're in a good position to to have the most points in maybe in our entire conference or in the entire league and And so we started striving for that in, in order to try and host as many, as many playoff games as we could. Yeah. So speaking on kind of like the, the context of fans in, in Sparks and Reno, um, when you were growing up, were there a lot of fans of soccer in Sparks or Reno? Yeah, I think I, I uh, went through, I guess, two different versions of youth soccer here. Reno Sparks is pretty much, I would say the same thing. It's just, yeah, they're basically connected. I mean, we were just talking, you, you've been here, so, you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think growing up, I mean, the soccer community here is, I mean, Reno's not too big, but the soccer community is definitely, I guess, really, really passionate. I think, you know, at a 
early early age you see four or five year olds uh already playing in the parts right. are filled every weekend and then and that goes through usually you begin i guess in the mexican league as as, as at least for me yeah and then i transitioned into club soccer which uh, allowed us to you know go to more tournaments and yeah. start kind of focus on hoping to get scouted for college and those kinds of things and at that point i think yeah i think we've we definitely changed in this city a lot in the last last i guess 10 or so years in the sense that you know more more and more people are branching out and, and finding opportunities and yeah and you know i think that's important and it definitely makes me happy for for the city that i grew up in Right. Um, my brother, he is currently a goalkeeper at San Francisco State University. When he did youth soccer, we're from the Bay Area. I remember we went to at least one tournament in the, in Carson City. So we know that we're familiar with Northern Nevada, and it definitely is a great – so many different soccer complexes and places right. for soccer fans and soccer players to grow and develop. And just for another – additional context uh sparks currently has a population of about 105,000 people just east of reno so it's kind of like how daily city is right connected to san francisco it's its own city and it's kind of a medium-sized city but it's right in that same metro area yeah i would say sparks is basically reno though it's kind of like <laughs> the suburb that that reno's the downtown area right kevin you would say that yeah i think I think at first I just used to, I don't know, it was the same to me, but yeah, I think now meeting people that, you know, come or, or people that are new to the city, I think, yeah, that's a good way to describe it in terms of it being maybe a little bit of the suburb. Yeah. And then um, I guess, how has the area changed? I know you went to UNLV for college for, uh, for about, I think four years. Right. And then um, how has the area changed the last 10 years? I guess coming back to it, have you seen the area change? Yeah. Uh, I noticed it more towards Reno. I think the mayor is is really focused on on developing a, a lot of new businesses. So there's definitely been a lot, a lot of construction in the last last couple of years, and and you know, it, it, I guess it's being a little bit more modernized, yeah. As well as as well as you know, new corporations that are coming here to bringing their their businesses or their factories here. So right. we're getting a lot of we're getting a lot of people from, from California as well. And just, I think it's just growing in general. That's awesome. Right. So growing up, what clubs and leagues did you follow and support the most or in general? Uh, really early. I followed, I followed the Mexican league the most. And, okay. and I just tagged along to, to being a Cruz Azul fan, which, which mm. my dad was a fan of. And yeah, I think that was my, my childhood team I, I loved almost all the players usually my idols were were from that team and and the guys that I looked up to and then as I started to get older I definitely followed you know the the European teams a little bit more I became a Chelsea fan uh okay. in after the the Champions League final they lost in penalties to Man United and obviously as I think a lot of people did I I really looked up to Ronaldinho when he was at Barcelona as well. Oh, that's Sweet. Say. Those are good choices. Uh, I'm a uh, Chivas de Guadalajara fan, so at least one thing in common, we're rivals of America. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's safe to say that your dad's a pretty big fan of the Mexican League then, right? Yeah, he's followed Cruz Azul pretty much his whole life, I think. It's funny because now 
you know, in current times, it's it's known a little bit as a club that that as big as it is and popular as it is, it hasn't had the success that mm. that it should. And yeah. it's definitely they definitely underachieved a lot in the last couple of years. But when he was when he first became a fan, you know, they were the powerhouse and they right. had won I think like seven or eight titles in the last ten years. So I think that's when he obviously uh, became a fan and he's he stuck with them since. Yeah, and then so basically when when Matias Almeida came to play or to coach for the Quakes, he definitely knew who that was then, right? Yeah, all my family definitely knew all my you know, obviously being Mexican, you know, all right. my friends and and family that I knew that followed the the Mexican league as well, uh, were aware of of, you know, it being something something pretty special to to have that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, there must have been jitters all around, right? You're like, oh, man, this is actually someone people know, right? And that kind of brought your level up a little bit, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, for a guy being Mexican, but ha- having gone through the through the soccer landscape in the U.S., it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. But, right. um, you know, yeah, recognizing his name and, and obviously watching watching him win, win titles and – and you know champions league uh concacaf champions leagues uh yeah i mean i knew who he was for sure and i knew that i was going to be in for for you know playing for somebody who who i guess knew what it knew what it took to right. to be an, an elite player so that was that was really exciting for me was it a was it a point that you were just like or how did it go down like how did you know you were getting i guess called up in a sense uh, well, I was already on the team at, at I was with the Quakes at that time, and I think it was at the end of 2018 when when he came and spoke to us. I think yeah, I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure some of us had already found out somehow. And yeah, and uh, no, I mean we were just excited to to know that we were gonna get to work with with someone who you know who had had a history of success for sure. That's awesome. Right. So you already addressed this, uh, your preferred position between right back and center back. I mean, not center back, central midfielder, that that was sort of a metamorphosis has occurred throughout your career. But I'm curious, is there some sort of secret position? Like maybe if you're playing a pickup game with friends and family, you're like, screw it. I want to be this position that you enjoy playing occasionally. Yeah, I think, well, I grew up really being a, uh, like a forward scoring a lot of goals and then <laughs> and played. I was a winger in college up until like junior senior year oh, wow. and it's kind of like a family joke that like slowly I've 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 been put into more and more defensive positions and pushed further back back on the field <laughs> Honestly, I think it's helped me um, the fact that you know I was an offensive player early I think it's helped me in, in recognizing things and Right. And, you know, and a little bit of technique as well. But, uh, I mean, in terms of when I play for fun, I always, I for sure want to be, want to be uh, up top more than anything, either right. playing as a 10 or, or playing forward. And I think, honestly, part of it just comes with the fact that I'm still trying to improve. So, uh, even though I still get, you know, as a, as a player in my career, I'm, I'm more of a midfielder and sometimes more of a defensive midfielder. When I get the chance, I'm just like, all right, I gotta go up there and kind of still, I still try to keep those tools, tools in my toolbox to be able to still, 
right you know stay sharp i guess in some in terms of trickery and and you know finishing those kinds of things for sure okay so uh, talking about kind of your positions let's go straight into talking to um your time at reno um you're playing with the electric group of guys right uh, including yones budari who is a uh, moroccan youth national team player and aritan stady who has nine senior caps for uh, Curazo. Um, how was it playing with them? Curazao. Curazao, sorry. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, definitely. I think early on, I, I definitely like playing with players, you know, who, who I guess have been through. It's a little bit different when you, when you get to a, to a, to a place and, you know, there's obviously there's going to be players that have gone through different processes. You know, the, here in the U S we have the college system before, right. Obviously, it's changing a little bit, but for the most part, guys are coming out of college. And then so being with with guys that come with a European background and and, you know, kind of know what the professional level is like at an earlier age. Yeah, uh, it's definitely fun for me. I think I think I, I respect those guys for sure. And and to be honest, I feel like they they know what it's what it takes to be a professional early on. And I kind of I kind of gravitate towards that. OK, yeah, that's Cool. Uh, how is it like playing without fans due to this current situation we are in? And do you feel that USL championship or the USL system has done everything in their power to protect their players and employees? Yeah, I think early on we were just excited to, to be playing again um, after the time that we had to spend spend off. But I think a couple of weeks into our – or a few games in, we I think everybody felt the – I guess that that space where you know you're not you're not getting fans every game and right the motivation might be a little bit different but there's def- it definitely has its pros and cons in terms of you know away games and and home games but in terms of the protocols yeah I think as a team and which obviously I would I would know the most about we've I think we've done well um obviously nothing's ever going to be perfect but Right. We've done well enough to where we've had one game postponed only, and yeah. and I think throughout the league, the which the protocols are obviously league wide. So, uh, yeah, I mean, definitely been successful in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, what is your favorite aspect of playing under Ian Russell, and what does he bring differently from other coaches? Uh, at this point, I think me and Ian have a good enough relationship where. Um, I I know what he wants, so that that comfort level definitely makes it easier, and and you know we're able to to speak about about specifics in terms of on the field. And I think one thing that everybody knows about him is is you know that's played for him is that he's he's definitely a winner, um, right. as you can see by his, his the results that he's produced in the last you know in his four years as as coach for Reno. So I think that part really. I, I gravitate towards as well. Just, you know, the idea that no matter what goes wrong, what goes right, your tactics, this and that, you know, you're going to work on things, but there's a, there's a mentality that, that he understands and that's, it's kind of gritty. Yeah. And I think that like, I can relate to as well. So I think that's, that's one of my favorite parts. Okay. Has uh, playing down in Reno felt much different than playing in, earthquakes or if you want you can go into some of the similarities and differences of how like the mood might be around training or training schedules preparation for games if you'd like 
yeah, I think obviously you're playing for two different coaches, so sessions mm -hmm. are, are always going to be different. The resources between an MLS team and a USL team will always be different. But, uh, you know, I think the systems were different for a couple of years. Uh, right, in, right now and this year, I think we're very similar in terms of, of um, you know, I don't know what the Quakes are doing necessarily in terms of training sessions, but if they're what it was like when I was there the year before, I think they're similar in terms of intensity and, and yeah. then now being with playing the same system even more so in terms of, in terms of the tactics. So, yeah, I think, and then on the other side, I think obviously it's no secret that, you know, MLS team and, and, and the USL team are going to, are going to be different, but yeah, I think that there's definitely some similarities there. Okay. And then since this is a uh, Quakes podcast, let's talk a little bit about the Quakes as well. Um, what is your favorite Quakes moment? This can be off the field or off the field. Uh, I mean, on the field, I would assume if, I mean, uh, I would say for sure my debut, I think, yeah. um, you know, it's definitely something I dreamed of as a kid and, and I even, I don't think many people know this, but I actually did grow up a Quakes fan. So, oh, wow. you know, like from the, from the beginning, it was, it was pretty special to me. My coach was, my club coach was from San Jose. So when we would travel for tournaments, we would catch games when we could. And then at that point, you know, being the most local team to me right. being in Reno, it was the team that I followed throughout college and all that. So the debut obviously didn't go as well as I had hoped. Uh, that, that year was tough, but looking back on it, it was, it was for sure, for sure. Like, you know, a, a special moment to, to kind of feel like you've reached one of your goals. Right. And, um, just kind of, do you think that area, the Quakes have a good firm grasp on like type of re like outreach? Do you think there's a lot of Quakes fans out there? Or is it more of like, you were just lucky you had a coach from San Jose? I think at that time it was for sure more so that, that I, uh, I had a coach that, that I guess had a, had a, I guess a relationship with the team. Yeah. Um, like I said, obviously growing up, I followed the Mexican league a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, now I'm, it's kind of the opposite. Obviously like my, my family yeah. and friends sit down and watch the Mexican league and I'm more interested in, in watching whatever MLS game is on. So, right. But yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So, did you, uh, during your time with the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, who did you enjoy spending time outside of practice or games with in particular? Yeah, um, well, I came in with, with three or four other guys my rookie year. So, it was mm -hmm. uh, that year, me, Mo Chow, Palmeri, and Danny Masowski were draft picks. And mm -hmm. Eric Calvillo had, had just been signed that year as well. So uh, I think naturally you just kind of start to spend the most time together right. with each other, just being all new. And, and then me and Eric became roommates uh, for the two years that I was there. So, and then Paul Marie, my second year as well. So uh, those are the guys that, that I had a closer relationship with and, and I still talk to a lot. Yeah, Eric came on the podcast and he said his your transfer out was the one that hurt him the most. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we stay in touch. We stay in touch though. I know he misses me. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys uh, 
I'm guessing the three of you when Paul Murray was there and then also you and Eric when you two lived together, did you have any sort of like traditions or like maybe uh, when you didn't have a game that day or after practice or something, you'd play FIFA or anything you guys enjoyed doing? Uh, For the most part, we just relaxed. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, depending on the weather, we would hang out outside in our our backyard a little bit. Paul Marie also had a dog, so yeah. he spent a lot of time uh, taking his dog on trips, whatever whatever trip he was taking his dog on. Me and, me and Eric were kind of just tag along, so that was yeah, that, that was a little bit of it. Yeah, dogs are like the fourth roommate in that scenario. Yeah, his is wild too, so it was a handful. Oh, yeah, I bet. I always tell my girlfriend, I was like, hey, you like the idea of having a dog when you don't have a dog, but trust me, like, it's going to be a very big responsibility. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so what, like, I know those guys you hung out with the most. Like, what are your thoughts on the recent incorporation of those guys? I mean, those guys are getting good minutes in, um, and you saw them firsthand kind of grow and, and as people. What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, particularly Eric Calvillo from your draft class and then also recent young players such as Cade Cowell and Tanner Beeson, for example. Yeah, I mean, me and Eric are close, so I always, I always you know, wished him, wished him a lot of success. I think, um, you know, he, he, as I mentioned about different routes that players take, he was able to, to sign at the age of 18 to the Cosmos and had, yeah. had gone through the youth national team setup, so – uh, I think he had a little bit of more, I guess, a sense of of being a professional player um, at an earlier age and had already been through some experiences. While you know, I had just been through college, which, which to be honest, is very different. Right. Um, but I mean, he's. I always thought he had, you know, he was there and started his career early for a reason. He's his. He's very technical and and I always believe he could get the job done. So to see him st- starting to get more minutes is. You know, I'm definitely happy for him. I think uh, Tanner Beeson actually didn't get to meet. He, he's this is his rookie year, and, mm-hmm. and I'm here this year. So, um, and Cade Cow, I think obviously with, I probably share the same opinion of him as as most do. Where I just think he could really, he has no ceiling, and right. and just he's such a great kid that you know to to know him personally is is honestly like almost an honor, you know what I mean? To know, it just, it just makes you, it, you're just naturally happy for the guy that yeah. cause he works so hard. He's so good. And he's so humble that you wish him all the success in the world. Yeah. I, I did mention Tanner Beeson because I knew your two times at San Jose earthquakes didn't overlap, but he also came through the super draft like you did. So it was a similar trajectory. And another word on Kid Cowell, I still have to remind myself that, he's only 16 years old. So right. like he's practicing, he's playing games and then maybe he's still uh, doing his math homework or something, but like he's a very <laughs> talented player and it is exciting to have someone come through San Jose earthquakes like him from the uh, uh, Turlock or Sarah's area. And uh, he played for s- some of the youth teams in Pleasanton. So he's a San Jose earthquake product, Bay area product through and through. So players that you know whether they're still on the team or whether they are no longer under contract with San Jose Earthquakes like you like it is very good to see players like you guys get these opportunities and making the most of them yeah for sure I think 
yeah, I think the Quakes have done well with with Cade for sure, and I think it just shows a little bit of a blueprint of of you know what what could be coming for for the club and and yeah, just touching a little bit back on draft picks. I mean, it's definitely definitely a good sign for the club and for the players when when you know you get to you get opportunities early on in 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 your rookie year, and so I mean, and then especially guys who you know are taking advantage. Like I mean, Tanner did great this this last game. Right. Um, so I think, I think it's, it's, you know, positive for both the club and, and the, the players individually. I agree. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, do you think Reno or Vegas lights can make the jump to the MLS expansion if we were to continue? So similar to Sacramento Republic, it, it would be cool to see an I-80 Derby in the MLS, right? Yeah, I think, I mean, we know how MLS works. Uh, I don't know the ins and outs of, of the club. <laughs> of the club's finances and, and the other things that, 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 you know, that matter when it comes to, to bidding for, for an MLS franchise. So, but yeah, I mean, me being from, from a Nevada and just in general, I would, I mean, I would definitely be excited to see a, an MLS team in Vegas or yeah. in Reno for sure. And yeah. Then, I think I mean, Vegas in particular uh, has been experiencing a growth in sports uh across the board with the you know events such as the nba summer league and the nfl draft the raiders recently relocating there and then the recent teams such as the las vegas aces and the wmba and the mm. uh, vegas golden knights and the nhl it feels like if there's right now there's 30 teams planned for mls once the current four expansion teams join austin charlotte st louis and sacramento Nevada could get be in consideration there, so it is an exciting thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. I think early, a couple of years ago there was it seemed like there was a little bit of a hesitance in terms of of you know bringing sports to to Vegas. I'm not sure why exactly. Sometimes because of the heat, sometimes right. just because of you know the idea that I have about the city. But I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're right about it growing, and and I mean. I mean that would be that would be really exciting to see an MLS team in Vegas. Well, the Nevada secrets out of the bag. All the Californians are moving there. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, we're gonna see sports come there no matter what because all the people moving to Nevada, either if it's Las Vegas, Henderson, Reno, uh, Sparks, basically Carson City, any city is gonna see more influx because just the people, right? Um, <laughs> Do you have any World Cup, I mean, games or any favorite World Cup games or memory? Could it be um, U.S. men's related or Mexico for your family or involving another team, Kevin? Uh, as a, When I was young, I think I for sure followed uh, Mexico the most. Um, if I were say, to say I have a, a memory, maybe, maybe not exactly one in mind right now. I think obviously this last World Cup, um, beating Germany was big for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but at the at the same time, I think I think maybe I share in the feeling that you know if the World Cup comes around, we're very hopeful, and we end up in the same position every year. So, <laughs> um, and then as I got older in these last years, you know, the more I I I play and and am able to to further my career, I think I just I just really enjoy watching the most elite teams. So watching France and Belgium this last World Cup were, were really fun. And, you know, the teams that, that play the best for sure and watching the top players in the world. 
you try yeah. to take away things from those games? Like, do you watch right backs and left backs that are the best in the world and kind of see what they do differently from you? What do you take away during those games? Scoring bangers like Pavard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think uh, uh, sometimes, well, most of the time, I try, I try to specifically watch the guy in my, in my position, obviously, playing right. uh, whoever's playing holding mid at that time or anywhere mm-hmm. in the midfield, really. And then, obviously, sometimes you get carried away by just just being a fan, obviously. But then, if I have time, or for example, this quarantine, I had I had a bunch of time to go back and and rewatch World Cup games. And yeah, and in those in those moments, I really do try and try and really really focus on on you know the guys playing in my role. Yeah, that's very true. During this quarantine, particularly the first few months. Uh, the FIFA YouTube channel was uploading whole games of past World Cups, and it was definitely something that kept me occupied for a bit. Yeah, it was. I look forward to those every every time they were they would premiere, and I it was the yeah I would watch those every time it came out, and it's <laughs> I noticed a lot of a big difference too between watching a 2000, 2002, 2006 World Cup final with Zidane and those guys just being like completely free, and then. Nowadays, you know, 2018, everything's so so structured, so yeah. so tactical, and a lot more like, you know, uh, analytics and stuff. Kind of team focused, yeah, yeah, yeah. Specifically about Mexico, this last World Cup, that win against Germany was huge. And then after they beat South Korea, I was thinking, wow, this could be the year El Quinto Partido because <laughs> all they had to do was to win or draw against Sweden. And then they would face Switzerland in the round of 16, which Switzerland are a good team too, but they're, you'd prefer to play them instead of Brazil. And then Sweden, they managed to beat uh, Mexico. They won the whole group. And then unfortunately that set up Mexico against Brazil again, which right. <laughs> the rest of the story, another round of 16. But still, I think both for Mexico and the United States, Mexico with players like Irving Lozano and, I think Raul Jimenez, if he keeps playing like this, he could be around for another World Cup. And then USA have so many talented youngsters that there's a lot to look forward to in this upcoming cycle. Yeah, the generations are definitely, I think, special ones, these ones that we're in right now. So, mm-hmm. I mean, for sure, for sure, for sure, exciting. Yeah, and then, Kevin, kind of going back to you watching the players at the best um, kind of doing their role. What do you think you can improve on to try to do your role better in, in at Reno or in, in any future clubs? Yeah, I think uh, you know throughout the years I've been I've been able to establish myself as a definitely a guy with a lot of work ethic on the pitch and and that covers a lot of ground and and is pretty disciplined on the defensive side. And then um, I think one thing I've always tried to work on and and I try to to not lose sight of is is being a complete midfielder in the sense that okay that I should be able to you know be able to play a final ball in the final third or mm. or be able to finish a goal when I when when those opportunities come so right. yeah that makes sense uh, I do want to touch on this because I recently moved to San Diego last year prior to that I lived in the Bay Area my whole life but turns out I moved at an interesting time in the soccer perspective because you had an opportunity to play against San Diego Loyal in a preseason friendly in this year when it was their first season in USL championship. So what does the USL 
championship expanding into a relatively bigger market like San Diego add to the league? And as along with having a head coach like Lennon Donovan, one of the most recognizable names in U.S. soccer history. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right in terms of, you know, San Diego is a, is a big market. So um, I think it's important that they fill the gaps, you know what I mean? And uh, as as the years have gone by and I kind of reflect on on how my career happened, I think, you know, there weren't as many opportunities being from a smaller city and in, right. in, in Nevada in a state that, you know, doesn't have any academies or any of that. So for the USL to be expanding as much as possible, um, obviously there's, there's a side to it in terms of first team and everything that it brings in that sense. But um, my thought always goes to, to there being more opportunities for players in, you know, in, in, I guess, all areas around the country. All right, that's really cool. And while MLS, it does seem to be hitting its carrying capacity in terms of expansion, it, USL continues to grow and maybe some of the markets that might not have an MLS club in their future, they can still find a home in USL as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then, Kevin, talking a little bit about USL, was there anything that, like, kind of shocked you about USL? Was there any team that just had about, like, a whole bunch of fans that you were not expecting or, like, the hardest place to play at? No, I think in terms of fans, I think for sure it's when you get, uh, you know, obviously you're not playing in a packed stadium week in and week out. So when you do get those those games, uh, uh, I think you do feel – feel a little bit more motivation, you know, when you go to New Mexico or, or other sometimes Vegas um, or Sacramento, when you know that they're going to have a packed stadium, it's right. Uh, they're definitely fun to play in. And then obviously you get on the field, you get, you know, every now and then there's a player that you just, you face and you know that they're they're especially nowadays when they're young, you just know that they're set up for, for big things in the future. Yeah, and then, I mean, I guess playing Sacramento, since you know they're kind of going to be an MLS squad, does that elevate your guys' game to kind of play them at a higher level so that maybe some scouts can kind of take a look at you and be like, hey, like these guys are playing, you know, an expansion team that's a really good level right now? Yeah, I think uh, maybe we don't think about that so much as, you know, before the game, you just kind of week in and week out, you just prepare for the for the next opponent, really. but. Um, yeah, I think obviously maybe some guys in their heads, they're, you know, they're maybe in the back of their mind. It's, you know, they're aware that, that, you know, if you put in a decent enough performance and, and the club there is, is looking to, to fill their, their roster with, with some USL players and, yeah. and there's that opportunity. And then um, do you have a dream club that you eventually want to play for? Like Eric was like, he wanted to play for Barcelona, things like, Something like that. Was Is there any club that you would eventually like to play for? Uh, I would probably say playing for any of my of my childhood teams would would, would really, I mean, I don't know, it would be unbelievable, you know. So mm-hmm. whether it was getting to be in Mexico and play for Cruz Azul or uh, I follow Chelsea, obviously. So if, if that ever happened, I mean, I don't know what I would do. Yeah, definitely. It would be like living a dream. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so I do want to get your thoughts because uh, 
even just like a, a week ago, it felt like a totally dark cloud was looming over San Jose earthquakes, but we do get to talk to you about coming off the heels of a 2-1 victory over LAFC. What was your initial thoughts when you either were watching the game or if you got that notification about that result? Yeah, I mean, MLS really makes it difficult to watch games, man. What, <laughs> I, I don't know what's up with that, but I'm four hours away and and ESPN Plus says it's I'm blocked from watching from watching oh, the no. game. And That's crazy. Obviously the Quakes being my team, um I'm trying to watch every game. So but yeah, I think I mean if it was big for them for sure, you could see it with with the content that that you see and the celebrations and how much it meant to the club and I know yeah. the guys have been uh as obviously people have their opinions but just knowing a lot of the guys and knowing the club and knowing the staff and I know they've been working their asses off and, and, you know, really, I've been really committed to, to, to turning the ship around. So I think that was a big moment for them. And obviously hope that, that it's, it's just the beginning of, of, of another, of a couple more steps. Right. Yeah. As fans, we obviously, we don't, we see the games, but we don't see, what happens before the game, what happens after the game, and what happens during practice. So it can be easy to see, like, say, if you're going on a bad run, like, wh- what the heck are they doing when they're not playing games? How are they preparing? But whether you're at the top or the bottom of the league, like, you're still working as hard as everyone else. And I think this is definitely a huge win for the Quakes. Yeah, definitely. And then being an affiliate club for the Quakes, was there any rumblings about like, oh man, these guys do not look good in your guys' locker room? Or do you guys not pay attention to them at all? Or how did it kind of go down, this latest slide from the Quakes? I mean, in terms, I, I can't speak for what other guys feel or, or I'm sure I'm sure there's, you know, when you come join Reno, you you know that, that they're the Quakes affiliates. So I think um, part of the reason you join the club is is – to hope to move up obviously and have that opportunity if if you if you put together enough good performances but um you know personally i just yeah i mean i just followed them just just hoping they would win not not really thinking a whole lot about about how it affected my career especially got it okay so those are the questions that we have prepared but we have a slew of fan questions from Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit for you. And we just, before we get into them, I want to thank everyone who sent in a question in a previous podcast, but also this podcast when we have the opportunity to speak to Kevin. It means a lot to us, and I'm sure it means a lot to you, Kevin, to know that there's a lot of San Jose Earthquakes fans who are still interested in hearing what you have to say. Yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. I mean, th- thank, thank you to them for me as well. Um, you know, it's definitely... Like I said, being a fan of the club, you know, to know that there's other fans of the club and and are still interested in in what I'm doing despite yeah. not being on the roster anymore is, you know, it's uh, it's a little warm feeling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they love you, dude. You got a lot of questions. <laughs> there's a lot of people that want to know your opinion. Yeah, let's do it. We had uh, and one more thing before I ask you the first question. We had Andres Imperiale uh, you know, uh, last week, and even though it's been a few years since you've played. The fans still have love for him, and I feel like that translates to you and a lot of Quakes players past and present because 
you guys mean a lot to us. So yeah, it's the culture of the of the mm-hmm. of the of Quakes fans for sure. Yeah. So the first one we have is from Davidson SJ from Reddit. So he asks, given the current situation at San Jose Earthquakes, he wants to know if you think Wondolowski will play another season or not. Obviously, you're not Chris Wondolowski, but like, <laughs> it's one of those things where every fan is, has a thought in their head as to what's going to happen because we don't know. <laughs> Maybe Wando told Chris, uh, no, told Kevin what he was going to do with his you know, last season. Who knows? Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He gave you no. the secret combination. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I'm on the same boat as most when I, I watch Wando and – and I watch him just not ever stop scoring goals, and and obviously this year is not not hasn't been normal in terms of it being a regular season. But um, no, I mean I think I'm on the same boat in terms of watching him and just thinking, well, if he wants to play, he's he he still can. So yeah. So Mike Pizzo from Facebook asked, how much did your experience at the PDL Berlin game dragons help you transition to your current role? And what is the biggest adjustment you had to make at this level? Uh, I think during those times, more than anything I've mentioned before, you know, I came from Reno where I just played club soccer while other guys were playing Academy. And then um, my opportunity in college came at UNLV while other guys obviously were able to get scouted to, I don't know this, in that area, it was like the Stanfords, the Cows, and, right. and, you know, big, big schools, the UCLA. So at that time, um, my idea was I was going to go play, uh, you know, with some of the top prospects in the country and, and just kind of prove that, that I belonged. So, but uh, you, you did, oh, did you play? Uh, you didn't play at Berlin Game Dragons, right? That might be wrong. Oh. No, I played, at, I, I played at Berlin Game Dragons two, two seasons or, yeah, two seasons, I think. Oh, cool. Perfect. Yeah. Sorry, I was off. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It's always nice to fact check while we have Kevin. Yeah. Uh, so John Jay from Twitter asked, it, were the differences between the way Ian Russell and Matias Almeida tried to implement the man marking system during your times at each respective club? And this is also similar to a question Jeff Vikas on Twitter asked as well. We just wanted to acknowledge that but we didn't want to ask the same question twice. Uh, uh, no, I think for the most part, they're very similar. I think obviously there's going to be a little, a little nuances that, that different preferences that, that different staffs will, will want. And I think part of it is, you know, um, you prepare every week for a certain opponent. You know, you're not just doing the same thing um, for 34 games out of the season or right. whatever it is, however many games it is this year. So I think the differences will mostly come there in terms of how you adjust for, for different opponents. Okay. And then um, Matt at Matt3, uh, Leo from Twitter asks, how has it felt to play during COVID? I know you went over a little bit about this, but how have you personally and the team stayed focused with everything that's happened this year around you? Yeah, I think more than anything, we've just appreciated being on the field every day uh, more. Obviously, we spent some time away, and I'm pretty sure most of the guys were itching to be back. So I think in the terms of mentality, we I think at least from my end, I, I step on the field with a little bit, you know, a little bit more appreciation every day and just, 
and you know makes me work a little bit harder for sure okay and then i guess what do you what do you like about ian russell as your coach I think going back to earlier, it's just his mentality is, is, you know, the guy doesn't like to lose, obviously, as most. I mean, I know nobody necessarily likes to lose, but this guy's really, really right. a winner and, and, <laughs> and he wants to be competitive, you know, every every day and every every week. So um, I think that's something that that really kind of gives the team energy when when it comes time to, to prepare for games. Definitely. One pound fish three five six on Reddit uh, asks: Right now, the way MLS is set up, the teams that succeed and win MLS cups, whether it be you know Galaxy, Toronto, Sounders, Atlanta, what have you, they have at least one or two key players that have had European experience. And right now, the San Jose Earthquakes don't necessarily have those same level of players and rely on Wondolowski, who is playing great, but he only has maybe another year or two left in his uh, career. So, how do the Quakes? How do you think the Quakes can compete with these teams, given their different style of you know squad composition? Yeah, I think obviously that it's it's pretty clear that the landscape of MLS has been changing a lot now. With you know you have your Atlantas and your Inter Miamis, which are are becoming you know, more, more common, but at the same time you have, I don't know, you know, at the same time you have your FC Cincinnati's and, and, Mm -hmm. and those, those expansion teams. So I think really it's just a a matter of, of, uh, you know, knowing what, what direction you want to go in and, and what, you know, what you want, I guess, what, what your stamp is going to be in the league and just, you know, making it really, really official, I guess. And, and just, You know what I mean? Like going, going, picking a direction and really focusing on taking advantage of that or doing it to to the best of your ability as a club. Yeah, right. And I think also in the MLS's back tournament, while one of the finalists, Orlando City, obviously had Nani, who made his name for himself in Manchester United. Portland Timbers ended up winning the tournament. And while they do have a couple star players like Blanco and Valeri, that they're a very solid unit with a lot of depth and. One last example, the Philadelphia Union is playing with a very young team that are achieving great things as well. So I do think that there's more than one way to succeed in MLS. Exactly, yeah. Kevin, our fans are going to ask you to put on your owner hat and your GM and your coach hat a lot, all right? So (laughs) just be ready for it. (laughs) So Robert at Epicenter on Twitter says, can you compare how you feel uh, you developed as a player under Starre? Almeida and now Russell. Did anyone's coaching style suit you the most? Ooh, uh, yeah. Well, well, with with Michael Starr, I think um, I always appreciate the fact that he, he gave me my debut. You know, um, I think I felt like my my style uh, attracted him enough to to give me a chance, and and just having that confidence from the coaches is and you know I had a couple personal talks with him where where he really spoke to me like he cared about my future so awesome. I think I think that kind of that kind of uh confidence and, and relationship to have with the coaches is you know gives you a little something extra when 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 you're on the pitch and then um 
obviously I started with Ian too, and I've been back and forth, and I've worked with him the most, I guess, out of those three guys. Um, and I mean, I he he knows what he wants, and and I kind of appreciate that as well. And and his style, obviously, right now we're 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 implementing the same system from top to bottom at the yeah. club. Um, but when it was it was his style, and it was a little bit different. Um, I really, really enjoyed the way that he, that he put together that roster and the, the types of players that, that I was able to, to have as teammates during, during some of those years were, were guys that I really, really enjoyed playing with just because I felt like we, we really connected as, as players. And then yeah. um, with Matias, I think he just obviously having his, his, his success as a player um, and, and as a coach, he just really ingrains in you uh, you know what it what it takes to be to be elite and to be not just I guess world known but be to be the best player that you could possibly be. Right. So uh, I think that that part of it is is what makes him special in terms. Well, one of the things that makes him special out of out of obviously a lot of virtues that he has. So how did kind of getting that call up from uh, from Starhead kind of how did that go down? Like how did you know? that he wanted to bring you in and, and debut you? Yeah, so uh, obviously I got drafted, and unfortunately I wasn't uh, – I didn't get a first-team contract early early on in preseason. So I went I went to Reno and played played maybe like six, seven games. Um, or it took me about four games to, to make my first start or get my first minutes. And then the next six, seven games uh, uh, I did well. And I was playing in the midfield actually, and and I got called up to play right back in in the Open Cup game against the Timbers. Yeah. Um, I went in there and really I just try to try to implement uh, what the coach asks of you, really, because I mean that's pretty much your job, I guess. Right. <laughs> and I mean, luckily, I he he felt like like I could I could hold my own um, on the first team as well, and then things kind of moved quick from there. He told me, you know, he told me on the plane that that he would call me the next day. And actually that night he called, uh, I talked to somebody at the club and said that I was going to fly back to, to San Jose to, to sign with the first team. Oh, wow. That must've been cool. kind of like a dream come true, right? I mean, they happened so quickly. You didn't have time to really kind of grasp it. Yeah, it definitely happens quick. And at that time you're just, I mean, you're a rookie, you're just working your ass off and things are moving fast and you just feel like, like all your hard work is paying off. So yeah. Right. Awesome. So the new Ferran Reddit uh, wants to know that right now the San Jose Earthquakes, they haven't really figured out who they want starting up front. They have options such as Andy Rios, Chris Wondolowski, who while being the joint or probably still sole top goal scorer is being mainly a super sub. Danny Hooson, when he's fit, he's an option. And maybe even Kate Cowell uh, could play up top. And given that even in the shortened season, there's only no Quakes player scored more than three goals, he wants to know who do you think should start up top for the Quakes if you had to choose? Oh, man, well, like I said, I haven't. Unfortunately, the 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 whatever it is with, with the TV rights, I've been struggling yeah. to, watch, <laughs> yeah. to watch the majority of the games, but... No, I think more than anything, it's the the great part is that you know there's there's that much depth in the position and there's a lot of options to pick from. So obviously, 
sometimes not all guys are healthy, but just to have that that ability to pick, I think is is important for the team. Depending on you know on obviously the opponent and and what the setup of of the team is going to be for for a specific game. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge has been uh, that some injuries have played a part, but also because of the frequency of games, not too many combination of players have had as many minutes together as there would normally be in a 34-game season where a lot of games are spaced a week apart. So I remember Fabi a couple weeks ago, he mentioned that he'd love to see Wando and uh, Vaco on the wing link up a bit more. Yeah. But I think if you ask each Quakes fan, there's a good chance that they might give you a different answer. So it's definitely <laughs> yeah. something to think about. Yeah, Kevin, that's a good point. Kevin, was there anybody that when you practiced with the Quakes, you were just like, wow, like they're crazy. Like that, their skills are crazy and kind of just left you at awe and then they just couldn't translate it into the game. Was there anyone like that? Um, you said couldn't translate into the game. Yeah, I guess like um, like some people say Danny Husen just has everything in the world and makes just the craziest goals during training, but then unfortunately when it comes to the big game, you know, it doesn't translate as well. Was there anyone like that? Uh, no, I, I don't think not necessarily. I think um, well, obviously in training, I'm just trying to diff- trying to know the the guy that I'm going up against and just um see how I could get the best of them obviously but I think I think what I took away more was was you know a little bit of uh the differences between each each guy and just try to take a little bit and learn a little bit from each player yeah and you had to I guess you had in front of you your man was Vaco a lot of times right right did you know he was gonna cut like every time uh, I thought I knew <laughs> so, so so walk us through us I mean that 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 moment right when you're covering him like how does he make it so that you think he's gonna do what he's not gonna do so well yeah I think part part of it what it is with Vako is he's he's just so strong so you know you could read what he's doing and and if you're lucky enough to do that it's it doesn't necessarily mean you won because he'll just he'll just shield the ball obviously with Mm. which is so good at doing and and we'll we'll just you know go the other way or, or and at some point you might be you might be biting when right when when you shouldn't be <laughs> okay right yeah and then go ahead, so Bobby. Andy on Twitter asks um since since Kevin you had your ACL injury when you played for the Quakes how has your recovery gone and have 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 you had any more issues with it come up no, I think it. Well, it was my second ACL surgery in the same knee, oh, so it it took Ooh. a it took a little bit longer this the second time around. But it all went well, really. Honestly, the 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 care I got at the in San Jose uh, with with the training staff there was they pushed me harder than I ever thought I could be pushed, to be oh, honest. Wow. And I think I think it really, you know, I'm I'm reaping the benefits now in terms of of uh, Really, after once I got cleared, I really felt like, like I was, uh, I was back to normal. Yeah, yeah. It looks like that the way they handled that situation, it showed that sort of belief that they knew you could come back stronger from this injury, and you're still going strong in your career. So I guess they were right. Yeah, the level I, of care I got there was was special for sure, and and obviously I'll always be appreciative of. Uh, that they stuck with me through through 
you know, obviously a time that, you know, had had put some doubts in my mind. Thank you, San Jose Medical Team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, OGFK on Reddit asks, what was your most memorable moment from your bobblehead game? Uh, I mean, it was against Vegas, so so I think it was a little bit funny in my head that, you know, <laughs> I, I had just come from there and, <laughs> and I was getting a bobblehead on the night that we played them. But, no, I think, I don't know, I'm a little bit, like, shy in terms of those things, so... <laughs> I tried to just focus on the game more than anything, but I think it was more more after when you know my family and friends or fans were <laughs> had all received one and and had them at their homes, and I go somewhere and <laughs> and they have a little guy there that that I, it really sticks with me. Oh, so what man. do we have to do to get our hands on one? I mean, is there some on eBay? Like, oh man, like... they might have they might have been sold out. Oh, it's like it's like <laughs> the hottest the hottest bobblehead drop of the year. What happened? You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. knowing my family, if I were to ever have a bobblehead for whatever reason, they would be excited at first, but then maybe a few months from now, like, they would use that as a way to make fun of me or something. Like, hey, yeah, they got your yeah. head right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Chico Earn from Reddit says, uh, what is it like playing in near your hometown? I guess we kind of went over that a little bit. Um, do you get to see your parents often? Also, um, we already found out that your parents or your father follows Cruz Azul. So we right. don't, we will skip that part, but yeah. do you get to see your parents often? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I chose to being back home this year. I chose to just stay. I had been gone for, I guess, seven years now. So wow. um, I chose to actually come back and, and live with my parents again and, and just spend, spend a whole year together, which I thought was important for us as a family. And, so obviously I get to see them every day and, and in terms of football, just having them, having them, well, what I expected was to have them in the stands every, every home game. And right. obviously that's been tough, but I still feel their, their support, you know, on game day when I come home and when I leave and, and all that. So it's still, it's still been a big, a big uh, motivation for me for sure. Could you get any of your family at the games at all, or they kind of just cut that off? Yeah, at the moment, no, not 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 even friends and family are are allowed. Oh well. Prior to the COVID shutdown, were they able to come out to a lot of games? Uh, our one game was actually away that we that we played before, so uh, they didn't even get one home game this year. But I mean, obviously, I've been back and forth with right. with uh, with the club, so yeah, they they've definitely caught. I mean, they catch every game that that I get to come play here. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, great to have that support. Uh, Cats underscore Quakes on Twitter asked, what was one of your favorite moments with Eric Calvillo visiting you in Reno and fans enjoy keeping up with you two and appreciate the friendship you two have? Yeah, I think um, obviously we hung out every day when he's here and and not not only in training. So when, you know, when it was time to just kind of catch up, we did that. Obviously, we were roommates as well, so we we would when we would both play, we would travel, travel together and spend spend you know do the whole trip together. Um, then at the beginning of this year, uh, I got to see him obviously in our preseason friendlies and and the first game he played with us. So uh, being on the being on the pitch with him, I think I feel like we both we both for sure kind of cherish that just just the fact that we've grown close and and every once in a while I get to get to be on the same pitch. 
That's what's up. Yeah, a lot of our fans like to hear the 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 bromance that y'all have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just like every every time I post or we posted something about it last time, and they got like a whole bunch of likes. They were like, "Oh yeah, dude, they like the best of friends." You know, I don't know why. <laughs> Hashtag but. friendship goals. Yeah. <laughs> so. so uh, as hotel roommates when you did travel together was there any city in particular that you guys like you went sightseeing or did something pretty cool <laughs> uh, i mean we, we we usually walk around a little bit depending on if we're in downtown of the city that that we're in and and just kind of look around but uh no nah, more than anything i guess it's just 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 obviously you have a bunch of downtime so just just joking around and stuff in the in the room right that makes sense any any crazy stories from away games that like, days before, like you barely made practice the next day, you know, Pedia Light running, what's going on? No, 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 he's a good I, person. No, no. I left those I left those days in college. I chose to be as professional as possible. Okay, yeah, that's you, good. You got it all out of your system in Vegas. You know? Yeah, what happens in Vegas? <laughs> yeah, and then right. so we have another uh, another question, Dom uh, from Quakes After Ninety. Um, what do you think the biggest issue with the Quakes is at the moment? Um, I know this is a little iffy if you don't want to answer it, but the owner, GM, manager, or something else? Uh, I mean, I don't have the answer, obviously. Um, I think as a fan, I'm just just hoping that that this last game is obviously a turnaround. And and like I said, I think having, having been there uh, – uh, I know how hard they're working. So when when I think about them, all I think is hoping that you know that their hard work and and you know it's just not just hard work. It's it's really in, intent that that they have you know to really right. fix things and they they put in the hours. I know the players put in the hours. The coaches put in the hours. Yeah. So really, it's just a matter of you know having that connection with them and really just hoping that 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 it all works out. Right, and I think uh, from a fan perspective it can be a little frustrating when there's not a lot of consistency and there's not a lot of transfers. And it seems like we can't understand what direction this club is heading. And for me, consistency doesn't mean you win every game because it's impossible. It means you play in a consistent style where it, you can understand the games you win, the games you lose. Like when you play against a better team or maybe a worse team that manages to outplay you on that day, you can live with those losses rather than the, inconsistent results but as we continue to talk with you players in these interviews as well as just hear more about you guys it's it changes the perspective in just wanting like oh we got to transfer five or six people this this transfer window to realizing that it's not that not that simple and that the players that are at the club that they're just as frustrated with a poor run of form as we are. And right. They are there for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely tough on the, on the, on the other side too. Right. Uh, so Freddie from Twitter asks, in what areas do you feel that you progressed as the, as a player the most in the last few years? Uh, I think, I think just in terms of my professionalism, I think at, at a certain point you learn that, um, you know, there's just so many different, different things that matter to, to, or that, I guess that matter in terms of, of you, of where your career is going to go. So, you know, I try to focus on my nutrition as much as possible and, okay. and prepare for every single session and do the recovery and get to sleep and, 
and all that stuff is is what I've I think I've tried to implement the most throughout the last couple of years. Okay, and then who from either the current or past Quakes roster during your time there was your biggest influence? Uh, biggest biggest influence, I think. I mean, there's definitely a a couple of names that come to mind. I think um, obviously training with Wando day in and day out. I mean, I'm sure at this point, people who have followed him throughout his career know how he how passionate and and how 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 important it is for him to to do his best every session and that that kind of sticks with you in terms of when you real when you you kind of realize why he is where where he's at and then in the early years i think my in terms of my position obviously godoy was is a guy that has that being oh, a player from panama and has has been played for the national for his national team has made a career here in this league is a guy that you kind of look to and see see what he does exactly to to kind of put himself in those positions. Okay. That's and pretty then, cool. Yeah, and then last question from all of us here at Teutonic Takes. Kevin, again, we appreciate your time. Thank you for we doing this. We actually have uh, two more questions, actually. Oh, Bobby, I'm quick. sorry. I, I skipped over. Yeah. I skipped over. My apologies. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so King Babar from Reddit asked if – uh, training schedules had been impacted by not just COVID-19 throughout this season, but also any air quality issues. I know Nevada is a bit more inland than the West Coast where this was most prominent, but we're just curious. Yeah, it's a little bit bipolar, the, the, the air quality. Um, some days are clear and some days aren't, but we, yeah, we just got to – there hasn't been a day where we've had to cancel practice or, or a game well, that's yet. Good. So. In that sense, yeah, we just kind of worked through it. And then, obviously, COVID is COVID. I think everybody's world is is a little bit different. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you just adjust as best as you can, really. Right. And then, lastly, uh, Rossi1222 uh, on Reddit asks, uh, which players on the current Reno squad do you think uh, would do well given the chance at an MLS club, whether it be San Jose Earthquakes or any other MLS club? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think there's there's quite a few guys that that could make the jump, and and if I'm honest, at the end of the day, it's 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 uh, not as simple as you know, just being being having the quality, but also you know, finding the right fit in a sense. You know, if you find the right. the right coaching staff, or you're in the right system, and you're able to flourish. So, I think. I mean, if I had to name some of the guys that that are currently starting, um, I mean. I don't know, man. Really, I like all of them. Honestly, now that I think about it, our <laughs> center backs are good. Jared Timmer is a is a is one guy I would point out because he's a rookie, and I think being a rookie at a USL team and and just that that way is just so so hard to to get your career started in that way. But he's done really really well in in and taken advantage of his opportunities. And so yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd like to just I guess kind of pick that guy out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Jared Timmer. Uh, for those who don't know, he is a 23-year-old uh, midfielder, right? Uh, he's a he's a center back. Okay, he's listed as a midfielder here for some reason, but we'll go by your word, center back. Uh, he came out of Butler, and he's played for a few uh, lower league teams in Michigan before signing with Reno this season. So. I'm excited to maybe watch him play the next time I can catch a Reno game now that you pointed him out. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. We also have Benji. Now that I think about it, Benji is a guy who, who was starting for us and then unluckily got, got a little knock in his ankle and, 
and has been coming off the bench the last couple of games. But he's a younger guy. He's he's didn't play his full four years in college, and um, he so I think he might be twenty or twenty one. But he's a guy that lately I've had to mark a lot, and really gives me a lot of trouble <laughs> if I'm honest. And mm-hmm. and he's I really do believe that the Quakes are are really really you know have an eye on him and and are trying to I guess hone his skills and and trying to bring him develop him and at with the right time frame so I think for fans I think that Benji is a guy that that they definitely should look forward to and I think should expect to see to see uh in the MLS you know hopefully sooner rather than later yeah so Benji Kikinovich uh he is a 20 year old he's from Sacramento so a little bit behind enemy lines here with the Sacramento Reno rivalry. But yeah. it, he's a, an exciting player. Uh, hopefully, he'll get more opportunities, especially you know since he did miss some time. But yeah, now the more we learn about this Reno squad, not just the players that have spent time in San Jose Earthquakes, the more it just, I get more excited to watch you more USL matches. And between living in the city in San Diego with the USL team, having gone to school at UC Davis, close by Sacramento Republic, the USL is definitely something that's been somewhat connected to me in many ways. So it's an interesting league. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a lot It's a lot of fun when you when you can have, you know, those those kinds of connections and recognize clubs and players. Right. And then so that to is... end off this interview, we're going to go ahead and we ask all of our players that we bring on, Kevin, um, are there any careers, career goals that you would like to achieve before all is said and done? Uh, I mean, personally, through throughout what I've experienced and, you know, having my struggles and being where I am now, I think um, my goals have really been to, to you know, have as as long a career as possible, I think. Obviously, uh, you don't you don't really miss it as, or you don't know how much you're gonna miss it. Um, I guess until you retire. So, in my head, I just want to play as many years as possible, enjoy it as many years as possible, and and obviously, and from a day to day standpoint, I just I just really try to to you know improve and and hope that my career goes in an upward trajectory uh, more often than not. Yeah. And then after, so a little bit about retirement. Do you have a plan to kind of what to do after retirement? Do you know what you want to do? <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I, I just, at some point a couple of years ago, I just, I was, I guess I kind of thought about that, you know, I had my degree and, and I was thinking how I'd use it. And I realized, you know, my, I guess expertise in a sense is, has been football my entire life. I'm really, I'm in love with it. I, I'm obsessed with this. So I just realized I was like, well, I guess, well, I don't really have a choice but to but to start coaching after. So awesome. hopefully, yeah. hopefully that'll be another way to make a name for myself. Yeah, All right. definitely. I feel like you, that'd be something you do very well in the way you think about the game, that you have a lot of great ideas and you have that perspective that you see the value in all the players that you interact with. And I think that's a very important trait to have as a manager because you're not just, you know, coaching soccer and trying to win games, but – you're in the process of interacting with humans on a daily basis. And that level of people skills is very important. Definitely, man. Thanks. Yeah. And basically, are you sure you don't want to start a, a podcast about soccer? <laughs> no, man, I, would, but I don't want to be in competition with you guys. Nah, uh, nah, I'd, nah, I'd, we... rather just co- I'd rather just come on every now and then. <laughs> oh, okay. We have you. a third yeah. seat for you, bro. <laughs> All right, bro, for sure. Yeah.
All right. All right well, thank you that, so much. Kevin. Yeah, we'd like to thank you. Thank you for coming on, and, and we appreciate your time today, man. Yeah, no problem, guys. Thank you guys as well for reaching out. And once again, thanks for the fans. Thanks to the fans. And yeah, you can and follow it, Kevin Partita on Twitter at uh, underscore KP19. Not to be confused with his kit number, which is 89, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was. Uh, I realized you, you can't change it or they, they might take the verification away. So I didn't want oh. to take that. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, so you might as well. Okay, I guess my Twitter number is 19, even if my jersey says otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, we appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you for coming on. Um, again, the Quakes fan love it when, when you interact with us, and they want to hear a little more about that <laughs> Eric-Kevin bromance, I guess, that's going on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. Peace. Yeah, Take no care. problem, guys. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Have well. a good night. You too, man. See you. Bye. Take care. Bye. All right. That was so, a lot of fun. Yeah, that was that was a whole bunch of fun. Kevin was a great time on. Um, just a little bit of, uh, I guess, a little bit of, uh, what do they call it? Homework at our housekeeping. So housekeeping, I'll go yeah. through the uh, remaining MLS schedule and how that pertains to our uh, podcast schedule in terms of covering the games. And if you want to mention anything else, you can afterwards. Yeah. So. The next podcast that we'll be recording is on October 2nd. Uh, it will be recorded on October 2nd. So, unfortunately, I will not be available because I will be traveling to the Bay Area and I will be uh, uh, visiting family. It what? will be, yeah. You'll be here? No, I won't be here, unfortunately. You, you even gonna, you're not going to come say hi to your boy out here in the peninsula? You're going to come to the Bay Area and not even come out to say hi and meet me for the first time? God. <laughs> not even before I go to Japan? Messed up, man. <laughs> I'll, 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 ask, I'll ask my family to make a detour in uh, <laughs> no, Redwood it's City. Cool. <laughs> it's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, so instead of me, you'll be covering this LAFC game, this very rare but hopefully won't be rare for much longer victory with Phil from Quakes After 90. That would be exciting, right? Yeah, I mean, Phil Phil Leva does a great job on that Quakes After 90 podcast. We had Dom on, and uh, we had a fun time with him. But So I expect an even better time with Phil. No, I'm kidding, though. No. Um, but I expect <laughs> it to be a good time. I know we are big fans of that podcast, and they like to listen to ours and give us shout-outs. If you haven't you know, listened to that podcast already, we get a lot from them. They're kind of like the founders of this bluegrass movement, and we like to thank them all the time. And that's at Quakes After 90. And then we're at Tectonic Takes. So if you guys want to like us both, five-star us on the App Store or the Apple Podcasts, um, we would greatly appreciate it. And then, Ivan, did you know what this this next episode is? It's the first. This is the first. You know that? Right. W what is it? It's the first win on yeah. our podcast. <laughs> Yay! We're going to go over we're the first. The we're first, not cursed. The first San Jose <laughs> earthquakes win on this next podcast so please come join us it's been a great time we're gonna miss ivan but the the show goes on all right and we're right. gonna have a good time yeah and then after this week the three of the next four podcasts will be covering two games uh, in a podcast so those will probably be a little bit longer the exception will be on october 23rd when 
they'll just be covering the Sounders at home, which is also good news for the Quakes because that means they have a little bit more rest than usual. And then yeah. after that stretch in October, our first two podcasts in November, we'll be covering one of the last two uh, MLS regular season games. And maybe it's a little too soon, but who knows? If they have a few more wins le- left in them, that that November 8th game against the Seattle Sounders might not be their last game of the season. Right. We'll see. We'll see what it comes down to. I mean, again, we are four points out of eighth place. So, baby, we're looking at playoffs. We're looking at bringing in some guys. Okay. Come into the Tectonic Takes podcast. Nine games left. So, 33 points up for gra- – no, 27 points up for grabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick maths, you know. We, yeah, we get Kevin back smart. on, <laughs> but um, basically this is going to be a fun ride guys. I mean, we are finally hitting our stride in podcast co-hosts. So if you want to come join us, um, we're basically getting it down to a schedule with every other Tuesday or every Tuesday, depending on how we book it, we're going to have a player on. And then every Friday we're going to usually have a podcast. Um, and if, if I'm not here, cause I'm going to be moving to Japan, maybe Ivan's going to have someone else on or vice versa. So we're definitely going to have one, one familiar voice on every time, if not two. Um, but we would like to thank everybody. Um, again, we do have a Patreon. Um, we're not, we're going to change up the scheme a little bit, but we don't want to make, we don't want to let you guys, we want to let you guys know about it, but we don't want to force you guys into um, supporting us. I think we're going to change up the, kind of the subscriptions a little bit i'm going to make it so that we release all of our zoom videos with the players on our youtube so please check out our youtube and then we're just going to have a base um subscribers if you want to you know support our podcast and help us grow so we can do more things and have more players on and and become a bigger media outlet for the quakes that all we all know and love in some reno right some reno we can do that as well right so i believe that's all for now uh, please look forward to the next podcast with uh, Phil and Fabi. Uh, right. As much fun as it'll be there w- without me. Like, I can't <laughs> wait to be back the following week to cover whatever happens between the Galaxy and the Whitecaps games. We're going to be well. on a win train, baby. It's going to be three wins in a row. So you better be ready, <laughs> Ivan. You better have your game face. And uh, I would like to give a special thanks to Kevin. Thank you for coming on. Yep. We can't. We're, we're so great, uh, grateful that he came on to our podcast, took time out of his day. So if you guys want to give thanks to him on his Twitter, he's he's very you know active guy. He's a great guy. Please let him know. And then we would also like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for sponsoring us. Um, thank you for always up, uploading our videos and or our podcasts and making sure that we are taken care of. All right, guys. This is everything from us today. And go Quakes. Go Quakes. Thank you.